Have you ever been in a position before where you're trying to get some work done? This can be photos, this can be just getting something done in your house, in your life, whatever it is, and you just get so completely overwhelmed. Too much to do, can't see your way through it, and maybe you just shut down. Or have you ever been, this is similar but different, in a situation where you just feel like you can't get to the next step. Like I'm just, I am stuck. If you have ever been in either of those situations, maybe somewhat similar to what's happening in your life right now, this episode is for you. Hi, I'm Christine Riche, an artist and mentor to photographers around the world. Consider me your interstellar guide on the path to being a better nightscape photographer. In this podcast, we will bring together our artistic right brain and technical left brain by exploring creativity, art, and inspiration in photography, as well as diving into technique, gear, and strategy necessary to elevate your craft and photographic practice. I am so happy to be a part of your Milky Way journey. This is the After Dark Photography Podcast. Hello and welcome. Welcome to episode 49 on After Dark Photography Podcast. Really happy to have you here. Thanks for coming along and listening. Today's episode is coming from questions that I got sent in to me. And one of the questions that was sent multiple times, this is I sent an email asking for feedback. I was like, hey, what do you want me to talk about? was what to do when we're stuck or what to do when we are feeling overwhelmed. I feel as though I am a good person to talk about this because I have definitely been in a place of overwhelm few fair amount of times in the past couple of years, especially with everything that has happened in my life and in my business. And this is just part of the human experience, (laughs) feeling overwhelmed or feeling like you can't move forward. And we are going to delineate the two because it's not the same. The being in the state of overwhelm and feeling stuck, these are actually two different things. And so we're going to start the episode with overwhelm and then we'll end the episode with stuck. You will see how there are things that I think we can do that overlap with both of them. But it's not necessarily that they are, you know, completely different things. And they're also not completely the same. So let's start with overwhelm. Overwhelm at its core is when there is a high demand coupled with a lack of clarity. So when you feel like there are a lot of things that you need to do, a lot. If you make to-do lists, your list is a mile long or 10 miles or 100. It has a lot on it. There's a lot of demand on your time, on people asking for things of you, of you asking for things of you. It's all of these things that we think should be done, have to be done. And this is really a little bit of a story that we're telling ourselves and we're going to get into that. But this is the first key point 
to getting to this place of, of feeling overwhelmed. It's having a high demand. And in general, that high demand also has some type of timeline on it. You know, if someone said to me, Christine, I need you to make sure that you look at every single tree in your backyard and check that they don't have, I don't know, um, something on them, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. No one would ever be asking this of me, but it's just come along with this metaphor with me. I'm making it up on the spot. Okay. And if they said, I need that done next week, I'll be like, are you kidding me? I'd be spending every waking moment out there. I live in a forest. There's a lot of trees. But if instead they said, oh, I just, I need that done, you know, in your lifetime. Okay, I could do that. I mean, it's just, I'm not really on board with this, but I could do that, right? That is something that is possible. So this is the crux of it, that there is a very high demand and we have a time implication. That's the first part. The second part of this is that there's a lack of clarity because overwhelm is not just volume. It's not just, I have all these things, I have to do it. Um, I should get this done. This should be part of it. I should do this as well. It's not just that. It's also I've never, oh, I've never done this before. How do I do this? How am I supposed to do this? It's this lack of clarity. It's having no idea what we actually need to do. And when things are unknown, things become scary. So these are our two pieces. And it's really important that we break apart our experience into both of these pieces so that we can work on them concurrently. <laughs> and we can get through this overwhelm. So the first piece, this high demand, I want to really define this and clarify it. Oh, are we coming into clarity with this as well? Yes, we are, yes. The answer is yes. So high demand, this is what we're telling ourselves it needs to, that needs to get done. The first thing when you're in overwhelm is that I want you to actually ask yourself, is this the reality? Do I actually need to do all of this? It's not always. It's not always necessarily the reality that, yes, I do need to do absolutely all of this. Would it be nice? Maybe. Or maybe it's just perfectionism um, that is actually just procrastination that makes you think that you need to have all of these things done. Maybe it's fear. There's a lot of ideas that could be coming in here. And we're going to explore this a little bit here and when we also talk about um, being stuck. So the first thing is, what exactly are we telling ourselves that needs to get done? And is this the reality? Is it actually the reality? You know, can we take off the feelings attached to it? And can we look and say, yes, this is legitimately the reality? Sometimes it's going to be, but oftentimes it's not necessarily. Then I want us to start thinking about, with this in mind, that we are telling ourselves we have all of these things we need to get done. What are the thoughts around it? What are the, the stories that we are keeping or creating 
around these things that we're telling ourselves we need to get done. So not only are we creating most of this this high demand inside our, our internal landscape, yes, I'm sure that much of it is an external thing that's driving it, but being in overwhelm is an internal thing. It is not an external thing. It is the way that we are managing the external things in our lives that need to happen. So what are the thoughts around it that we're telling ourselves? One, we're telling ourselves all kinds of things that need to get done. So we need to start looking at that objectively and seeing, okay, what do I actually need to have on this list? What are the things that are the reality and factual? And then what are the thoughts that I am creating around all of this? What are the stories that I am telling myself? Is it something like, I should have been able to do this? How come I can't get this done? I'm so stupid. I've worked, (laughs) side note here, I've worked with my son consistently over this word stupid because he would use it all the time. I said to him, I just don't think there's any point at which we should be using this word. And so he like tries to, he's like, well, what about this? And what about this? And he tries to, you know, play the devil's advocate. Not that he knows what that is. Um, But (laughs) I don't like the word. I don't use it. I don't use it in any, um, in any form. But we might be using it on ourselves. And there's probably a myriad of other thoughts that we are creating in our mind around all of the stuff that we have to get done that we feel like we can't get done. So let's actually take a moment, feels um, counterintuitive when we're in something, because I don't have the time. So why should I be taking the time to do this, Christine? No. (laughs) Okay, I know, I know, I know. But let's take the time to identify the thoughts that we're having around this. And we need to separate them from the reality of what needs to get done. When we're in something like this, we're imposing a lot of these musts, these shoulds, these haves on ourselves, and we are imposing the thoughts around when it's not getting done, when it's taking time. The problem that comes up with a lot of this is that our brain really likes to set expectations. Why? Expectations lead to predictability. Guess what? Predictability keeps us safe. What does our brain want to do? What's something I've talked about on this podcast many times in many different ways? Our brain wants to keep us safe. That's it. Safety is number one out of absolutely everything. And our brain is like, I'm going to keep you safe. We are, we are in a state right now. Being in overwhelm, you are in a state of overwhelm. And it is not, it is internal, but not just mental internal. It's also in your body. I have a good, a good guess feeling that if you are currently listening to this, you're like, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm going to take a walk and listen to this podcast. Good decision, by the way. Or if you have been in a state of overwhelm in the past, you feel it physically in your body. There is a physical manifestation inside your body in addition to the mental. Um, So when I say this is internal, 
I mean both physically internal and mentally internal. And our brain, all that it wants, oh, our brain is so good to us. It just wants us to be safe. It just wants to keep us alive and be safe. And so to our brain, it wants to make sure that we are being predictable, that we know what's going to happen. And so if we are telling ourselves we have to get all of these things done. Well, now our brain is setting that expectation. This needs to get done. If this gets done, we will be safe. But especially when we are talking about our business, our photographic practice, um, and that's you know where I'm coming from with most of this, we're generally not actually in a life or death situation. When we're working on our images, when we're building a business, it is not a literal life or death situation, but our brains think it is. That's how we're wired. That's how we have survived to to live in this world where most of us, and I'm going to say you and me here right now, we are not in a life or death situation. And by dint of the fact that I am able to be recording this. You are able to consume this. You have to have a device to consume this. Um, You know, you have to have a phone or a computer. You have to have something, um, a tablet, the ability to be listening to me. The fact that you are actually listening to me, that you have the time to do so, no matter if you're likely multitasking while you're doing this. I like it when people take walks and listen to my podcast, but that's okay. You can be doing laundry or dishes or editing photos, whatever. The fact that you can actually actively listen to this means that you're not actively in a life or death situation. And neither am I. But our brain thinks that we are. When we get into these states where we have all of these things we need to get done, our brain is going to go back and create these expectations around, okay, this has to get done. I need things to be predictable. So I need this to be done. And if this is not getting done, then this is a big problem. That's the default of where our brain is going to. And when we are doing a lot of stuff, when we're in a stable overwhelm and we have a big long list, we're running on default mode. I mean, it's just necessary to get through a lot of the things that we're trying to do. And it is what puts us into this state, running on that default mode, because our brain is going to go back to how it's wired and how it's programmed. And that programming is great for our continued existence. But that's not why we're here. (laughs) That's likely also not why we're in this state of overwhelm. We're going to likely exist if we don't get all of this stuff done that we need to get done. Will we exist in the manner with which we want to? Hmm, Maybe not. That's up. That's, you know, definitely up for debate, especially depending on what the situation is, because we can get into a state of overwhelm over things that are quite important and also some things that maybe are less important. That comes back to actually what are the thoughts we're telling ourselves? What is the actual reality around it? But despite that, we are going to run 
on default mode and default mode is going to come back to keeping us safe and it is not going to help us. So this is the counterintuitive thing, but we need to, when we have these high demands on ourselves, we need to be actively thinking about our thoughts. How meta can I get here? We have to be thinking about how we're thinking about it. And we need to take the time to acknowledge and recognize the thoughts we're telling ourselves, the expectations that we're placing on ourselves, the things that we are saying are reality, and then actually step back and be like, is it true? Can we exchange everything that's going on in our brain for more realistic thoughts? One of the exercises that I like to do with myself, and this won't work for everyone, um, I have I heard once um, from someone that some people are uh, way motivated and some people are towards motivated. Um, so you can think of it as a positive motivation or a negative motivation. And this is, is in a way <laughs> motivation and negative motivation. I find for myself that works really well for me. And I have found in my experience people who grow up and have traumatic experiences as a child tend to be a bit more away motivated. Um, people who have had very stable and safe upbringings and have not had, um, you know, big T traumatic episodes um, tend to be a little bit more positive and towards motivated. So um, this works for me. It may not work for you, but I just, I like to give that little disclaimer beforehand. So for me, one of the things that works when I get into this is I think, all right, Christine, what's the actual worst that can happen? Break it down. What is the absolute worst thing that can happen? And, you know, often the absolute worst thing is going to be somewhere along the lines of like me dying or someone I love dying. Like that's that's where I'm going to take it to. And as I go that route. And as I play this out in my head, I realize the likelihood of that happening, if I don't get all of this stuff done, is exceptionally slim. Exceptionally slim. The likelihood is that there will be some immediate discomfort in my life. In, in Maybe it's emotional discomfort. Uh, maybe it's physical discomfort. Um, maybe it's a relationship discomfort. So something between me and another person um, between me and people in my business who are expecting things from me. But I will tell you that when I go through that, this worst case scenario thing, and then I go live through whatever happens, whatever happens is never as bad as what's in that worst case scenario. It's just not. But guess what? My brain's living in that worst case scenario. That's what my brain likes to do to me. And so I am asking you to figure out what your brain is living in and to shift it for something that is actually much more realistic. Another way that we can do this, this is something that I try and actively practice all the time, and it is a practice. It does not come naturally to me, and I think for many people it does not. It is actually changing the language that we're using. So change the language you use on how you talk about the thing therefore is going to start to change how we think about it. So our language, the words that we actually use have such a profound impact 
on how we actually exist. And this is something for me, I have learned this in a big way, being a mother and working through real, real big emotions that my kids have. Um, anyone who, you know, has interacted with a toddler on a consistent basis knows they're really big emotions. And one of the things that consistently would come up is that when we were able to name the experience, to give it an actual name, all of a sudden the experience became that much more easy. And when my kids were in the stage where they didn't have the language for it and they couldn't communicate it, it was very difficult. And so a big part of getting through some of the more challenging things, especially when they were, you know, of a, a specific younger age, was helping them with the language, helping them being able to communicate. And that language was really like flipped a switch sometimes, you know? Oh, I, I see, I acknowledge that you are having a big feeling right now. That's, the, that's how I would say it. And then I would say, does it feel like this? More crying? No, I didn't get it right. Is it this? More intensified crying? No. Now, at a certain point, they just get way too dysregulated and, and that doesn't work. But if we're at the not at the point where the body is in complete dysregulation, then uh, often, if I could articulate it for them, a switch is flipped. And that's just it. And it's like, oh, no, everything's better now. This is really important because how are we talking about this overwhelm? How are we talking about the things that we need to do? What are the actual words that we are using? So if you take a moment when you're in this situation of overwhelm and you start to write down, I have to get this done. I have to do this. I have to do this. And then let's take it a step further. If I don't get this done, it means this. Those are those stories that I mentioned. Take a look at the language that we're using. That is impacting the entire way we're, that we're having the experience as well. So shift the language around what we're telling ourselves. Often I get into, this is a personal, but I think uh, you might or others also might have this, um, an all or nothing kind of feeling. When I'm in overwhelm, it's like, I need to get all of this done and I can't and I am shutting down. Where in reality, do I actually need to get it all done? <laughs> Does every single piece of it have to happen? If I'm in that feeling, eh, nothing happens often. The answer is that uh, nothing ends up happening. So can I get out of that all or nothing mentality? You know, can I take this and break it apart into pieces? Um, potentially. And this is this is the language. So I can't go into every single thing that's going to be keeping you in a state of overwhelm. You <laughs> would be here for a long time, a really long time if we explored all of that. Instead, what I want to draw our attention to is that we can get ourselves out of it by paying attention to the reason we're being stuck in it. And a big part of that is going to be our language around what we are telling ourselves. Um, 
this is again just circling back to this idea of what are our thoughts saying we're not our thoughts we're creating our thoughts yeah but we're not our thoughts our thoughts are just it's just what my brain happens to be doing in the moment that's that's what my thought is i am not my thought um many times when i am driving i have intrusive thoughts um, I know many people out there who have intrusive thoughts and I get intrusive thoughts almost every time I drive over a bridge. Like, oh, what would it be like if my car went off this bridge? Well, I'm not going to ever do that. It's not an option in my life. That's not something that I'm interested in doing or exploring. Um, you know, do I think it seems cool in action movies when cars fly in the air and do these twisty loos and whatnot? Yeah, oh, it's pretty cool. I never want to actually experience it. But do I have that thought? Yes. Am I that thought? No. Am I actually ever going to act on any of the intrusive thoughts that decide they want to pop up in my brain? No. It's just something my brain happens to be doing in the moment. And understanding that we are not our thoughts is really important. It's also really important because we do have a negativity bias. Um, our brains have a negative negativity bias. It's there to keep us alive. Um, this is this is a straight quote because I was looking it up and I was like, you know, I I speak from my experience. I also try to make sure that I am s- saying things in a factual manner. I don't always know that everything I'm saying is 100% factual. It's real to me and I've experienced it but you know when I say something like you know we inherently have a negativity bias I'm like is that actually true or is that just my experience of the truth so this is from um, a website uh, verywellmind.com and this is something they said about negativity bias and I thought it was really useful so I, I copied and pasted it in here and I said the negative the negativity bias is our tendency not only to register negative stimuli more readily, but also to dwell on these events, also known as positive-negative asymmetry. This negativity bias means that we feel the sting of a rebuke more powerfully than we feel the joy of praise. I read that and I was like, oh yeah, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> that definitely feels true to me. Especially, you know, if I think back to my experience working in a uh, company where we did uh, manufacturing and creating toys and, you know, I wasn't on the sales team, but when I started that business, it was very small and it grew to be very large, but I have a lot of experience across all of the, the departments. And, you know, if a customer had a bad experience, we're much more likely to talk about it. People people talk when there's a bad experience, but there is a lot less people talking about when they had a good experience. Um, so when I read that, that quote, um, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. I forget what it is, but what was it? Like something like people are 10 times more likely to talk about a negative experience that they have over a positive experience. So why does this, why does this matter? Well, when we are talking about this first piece, so when we are talking about this high demand, a lot of this being in the state of overwhelm, it's the inability of being able to deal 
with the high demand, whether it is a completely factual high demand or it is being somewhat manufactured, is the inability of being able to deal with it mentally in our internal landscape. And this negativity bias, it is something that we're doing all the time. And especially when we're doing something that's hard, that's putting us into a state of overwhelm, we're gonna default back to this. So this is the first piece. The second piece is this lack of clarity that we talked about. So lack of clarity is the low ability to figure out what to do. That's it. We don't have the actual skills or resources necessary to figure out the thing that we need to do. Often, it's a situation we haven't been in before. Isn't life nice? It just throws a bunch of stuff at us and it's like, ah, you figure it out along the way. We haven't done it before. So if we haven't been in this type of situation before, yeah, it's going to be difficult. We're going to have a lack of clarity. Or we can't predict what has to happen next. That's really hard too. Where, you know, there are some big stakes and I don't know what the right next step is. In addition with I have to do all of this stuff, but I don't actually know what the right thing is to do. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit difficult, isn't it? It is. And so that is a huge contributing factor to being in a state of overwhelm. What do I recommend here? Find help. Get help if you can. Find someone as a mentor or a coach, someone who has been in your situation before. This is really a big part of the reason that I started teaching business online and that the mode of teaching that was through and is through my society, my Shoot to Sell Society, which is a monthly recurring um, recurring membership. And um, we have these conversations monthly inside the group and, well, all the time. And it's because... I didn't want to just create a course and be like, there you go. Everything is so highly individual. We can take the theory and the knowledge, but being able to actually figure out what to do with that theory and knowledge can be difficult. And my growth, especially when when I've created something brand new, each time that I've created something brand new, I have found myself in a, in a state of overwhelm, especially with my business. You know, the first time running my Milky Way course online, oh my gosh, that was a lot. That was big. But I got through it because I was learning from someone who does this all the time. And so I had a mentor teaching me and taking me along the steps. And when there were issues that came up, I had someone that I could reach out to and I could ask these questions and they could help. It's not always easy to ask for help. I get that. I get that it's not easy. There's a lot that goes into it and this will kind of come into the stuck one, which is the next thing we're gonna talk about. But there can be um, a fear that goes into asking for help. There can be fear around vulnerability, all of these kinds of things. But really, when we have a lack of clarity, it is going to put us in a state of overwhelm if there's too many things to do. And one of the best ways is to find someone to help you through it. Now, here's the thing. I understand 
not everyone is going to be able to find a mentor or a coach who is able to help you. I'm not someone who is able to mentor every single person who listens to this. I have thousands of people listening per episode. I just, there's not enough of me. Maybe if we perfect cloning, but I don't necessarily think there should be more of me in the world. Um, But there's just not actually enough of me to be able to answer every single question that comes in um, to help every single person who listens to this. It's not possible. Um, And so I find ways to help like this. Doing the podcast is one of the ways that I help um, by trying to take the all the questions and things that I see coming into my world and addressing them in a way that can help multiple people. Um, You know, I I don't get emails or messages anymore. Um, I know there are still people uh, and there are still people who have much larger businesses than me who are in their um, Instagram direct messages all the time or who are in their email inbox all the time. Um, I can't. It's, it it hinders the way that I run my business. Um, so I have my team doing it for me and putting things to me, being that filter to me, um, because otherwise I just can't do it. How do people get mentorship with me? How do people have me coach them? They pay me money <laughs> to do that. And I get not everyone is in a position to do that. And you might not be in a position or you might not just want me to be the one to do it. And that's completely fine too, because I'm obviously not for everyone. Um, and my expertise is not for everyone. But getting help from someone is the way to move forward. If you're in a position where you can find someone that resonates with you and you do have the money to be able to invest with them, that's fantastic. Or you find someone who resonates with you who's been where you've been and they're open to taking on people to mentor. They have the time and space in their life to do that. That's also fantastic. But if this is not possible, well, it's just too bad. You should stop listening here. No, (laughs) sorry, couldn't help it. If that's not possible, there's still lots of ways to get this information. Sometimes it takes a little bit more ingenuity on your part. Um, this is when we can kind of look up to someone kind of like as as an idol almost. I hesitate to use that word, but I don't know. I'm not going to open up the, th- the thesaurus and see what other words I could use instead. Um, a mentor or a coach implies that there is a relationship. An idol implies that it's someone that you look up to, but there's not a reciprocal relationship. But the great thing about the world that we exist in right now is that we can get so much amazing information for free. We just have to take the time to consume it and to parse out the pieces that are useful for us. Um, you know, one of my big focuses right now in my life outside of business is my health and is getting healthier. Um, After seeing the impacts on people who are really important to me, um, who are uh, much older than me, seeing the impacts of their health um, and how their health impacts me, I want to make sure that when I get older, I am in a place that um, I can be really healthy. And that's got to start now. (laughs) And I'm really fortunate that I can do that that I have the time and space to do that. And I acknowledge how 
crazy fortunate I am to be able to give time and attention to being healthy. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? But not everyone can. Not everyone who's my age, who's in their late 30s, is able to start thinking about, okay, what can I do for my body now so that I'm healthy as I age? Some people are just like, I need to just survive to the next day. Many people are like that. Now, why do I bring this up? It's got nothing to do with the episode outside of the fact that, you know, yes, do, am I in, I have um, uh, an online gym membership from people who I knew I grew up with and I um, respect and trust, but I'm not in any you know, I'm not in a a trainer relationship, a one-on-one relationship with anyone where I can ask them these questions and get this information. But you know what? The internet exists. Um, Do I listen to Dr. Andrew Huberman's podcast episodes? Yes. Yes, you better believe I do because so much amazing information is available to me. And then it's the top level, right? Like he gives these fantastic podcast episodes I listen to all of that and then I pick up on, oh, these are the pieces that I need to work on. And then I go and find more. And maybe I find people on Instagram that that's like the one thing that they do and talk about. I follow them and I get their information. So I can use the resources that exist out there to help me figure out what has to happen next. And so there's always going to be a way to come out of this lack of clarity but we have to do the work to get out of it. And that really leads me to the next point here, which is that the thing to actually get you out of the overwhelm is taking action. So actually taking action. And this is where this lack of clarity becomes really important because we don't know what action to take. We're not going to take action. So finding a way to figure out what the action is that you need to take And then making sure that your thoughts are supporting your ability to do it. Because sometimes our thoughts get us into a place where we're just not doing anything. I want to give you permission here on this note. That yes, I know you want to get it right. Especially when we're in overwhelm. We want to do it right. But just do it wrong. Give yourself permission. You have it from me to not do it right, to do it imperfectly. Um, if we try to do everything perfect, oh, that's just a recipe for disaster. It's anxiety, it's perfectionism, it's procrastination, and all of that is going to just feed right back into overwhelm. If we do it imperfectly, if we do it wrong, what's the worst thing that can happen? I, you know, I'm not advocating that a doctor (laughs) go into a surgery and be like, "Ah, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. You know, there are life and death situations. Remember, ours probably isn't. So what's the worst thing that can happen if I do this thing wrong? If it's a business thing, the worst thing that can happen potentially could just be that people see that I I got something wrong and it's a bit embarrassing. I'm going to live through that and I can go and take the next step. I find that when I give myself permission to do things imperfectly, to do it wrong, it gets me in action. And maybe that wrong thing was actually the right thing and it's great and everything worked out. Maybe it doesn't, but I now have more data. That thing didn't work and I'm closer to doing the thing that will work. And especially when we have a lack of clarity, it's about 
opening up and saying, okay, I don't exactly know what the right next thing is to do, but I am going to try something with knowing that it might not be right, but knowing it will help me to get to the place that will be right. A tool that I can also use sometimes when I'm in this state, um, this is just one last bit on this, uh, I call it productive distraction. If I am really, really struggling with something, I might just shelve it. Now, I might shelve this for a day, I might shelve it for a week, I might shelve it for an hour, and I'll just go something and I'll do something that I know how to do. (laughs) I know how to do this exact thing. I'm going to just go and do it. I'm going to go and get it done. And ideally, it'll be one of the things that's on the list in this whole high demand, save overwhelm thing that I've got going on um, so that I can feel like, oh, I got something done. But the other thing that it does is that it gives your subconscious some time to think about the other stuff that you're having trouble with. And I actually find I tend to gain clarity. Um, The other thing that I can do is if I'm really overthinking things, if I'm really in my head, another kind of productive distraction is going to be something that takes the entirety of my focus and my energy and just gets me out of it. It just breaks the cycle that I'm in. Um, And this is something that you're doing that, you know, you just, you have to be completely focused. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to go fold some laundry. I don't need to be focused folding laundry. Um, But if it's something that takes all of your energy and all of your um, focus to be able to do it, that can be something as well that can help and can get me out of what is happening. So that's overwhelm. Well, I spent a long time on that. I think it's important because it can feel like it has completely taken over everything in our life. And there are ways that we can come out of it. So the next piece is just feeling stuck. And I think that feeling stuck is is very different from feeling overwhelmed. It's not the same thing. Being stuck to me is the feeling of knowing what we need to do, but being unable to do it. Overwhelm is different. Overwhelm is having too much to do and that lack of clarity. Stuck is like, okay, I know I need to get this thing done and I'm just not doing it. It's not happening. I'm not doing it. So I've got some steps here for when we're being stuck. For me, uh, stuck is a, a state that I get in that I recognize pretty easily and am able to move out of a lot more quickly. Overwhelm is bigger, which is why I spent the, um, you know, three quarters of this episode on overwhelm. Some of the things we're going to find crossover here too, but the, the first step for me, whenever I am feeling really stuck with something, and generally it's like a specific task or a decision that I have to make that is going to have implications, I acknowledge it and accept it. I just acknowledge like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I do feel stuck right now. Um, I feel stuck in this decision, in my ability to move forward. Um, And I accept that I'm having this experience. All right, I'm here again, right? Yeah, 
and that's it. You have to acknowledge and accept it. If you push back against it, think of it like a rubber band. It's going to snap back and it's going to bite you in the butt. So don't push back against it. Um, we have to surrender to it. Um, that's the, the first thing. It's just acknowledging it, accepting it, being like, yeah, all right, this is it. I'm here. Got it. Then we move on. So the next thing that I do is I, again, this is similar to with overwhelm. What am I saying about being stuck? What are the stories that I am creating around it? What is the language that I'm using? What am I making it mean? Oftentimes, if I'm stuck, like often for me, it's a decision that I have to make. And I don't make the decision and I feel stuck moving forward, making that decision. Why does that happen? Well, probably because I'm, I'm doing all kinds of stories around it. Um, I'm creating narratives around this decision that I have to take that just aren't actual factual. So if we can, this is the same thing as I talked about with overwhelm, strip things back to being fact separating in our internal landscape what is fact and what is story what am i saying what am i making up what is the language that i'm using around it and how is that affecting the way that i perceive it that's my first sort of actionable step and what are we doing again we're, we're getting into these thoughts right we are realizing that we are having these thoughts, but we don't have to be the thoughts. The next step with being stuck, and this is where I think it all comes from, is identifying where is the fear. So oftentimes, you know, I talk about this um, with the last step. What am I making it mean um, with this decision? Why am I not making this decision? Oh, guess what? Probably because there's some fear around it. Um, what what could that fear be? Well, there's a lot, but let's if we think in terms of being stuck creatively or being stuck with a decision in our business, it can be fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, fear of vulnerability, being vulnerable, even sometimes fear of success. All of these things can come up when we're feeling stuck. And each of these individually is going to be different to work through. So you need to identify it and then start going through it. I, as I talked about before, I am a um, away from motivated person quite often. So I will think about, you know, if it's rejection, what's the worst thing that can happen if I get rejected? That's for me. Um, you might say, What's the best thing that can happen if I don't get rejected, if this does work out? I like that way of thinking. I have to actively work to think like that. It doesn't, does not come naturally to me. Uh, so for me, you know, when I look into these things, identifying the fear that is there and then looking at how can I get around this fear? It can come from doing this exercise of what's the worst thing that can happen. It can also come from looking at how has this existed for me in the past and how did I move forward? 
that helps me a lot. As you get comfortable with doing things that make you uncomfortable, it's really my motto in business, is just get comfortable being uncomfortable all the time. Um, as we do that, we are going to start to have experiences where we had fear of rejection and we moved through it and we came out the other side. That is now a data point in our life that we can go back to when we're having the same experience. We have a fear of the unknown. When is a time in my past that I did something and I didn't know what the outcome was going to be? What happened? Was it good? Great, that's a data point. Was it bad? Great, that's a data point. What happened? I'm still here. So that means I'm still moving forward. My world did not end. Might have sucked. Maybe. Might have also been great. These are all just data points for us. So actually identifying what is that fear. Um, You know, for me, fear of vulnerability was was a big one. And I can tell you, I get very vulnerable in these podcast episodes. And I get to have some of the best conversations and interactions with people because of them. Um, It's probably one of the things... Um, that I have done that has been the hardest has been starting this podcast. And it is also one of the things that has been the most impactful with people who come into my world. So, you know, it's a really good um, data point for me to say, oh, if I'm having this fear of being vulnerable, I've done it before and it's okay. The other thing here that we can do If you're like, no, Christine, I've never had this fear before. I've never had this experience. I've never gone through it. Well, then we're into the the lack of clarity, right? (laughs) And maybe we're just into the fear of the unknown. I don't know, maybe. Can you find someone else who has been in a similar situation and has moved through it and they are okay? The answer is yes, by the way. (laughs) The answer is yes. There are so many of us all living the same human experience that yes someone else has had this exact same experience as you the external circumstances might not be the same but the internal landscape definitely has been and did they come out through the other side that's why stories are so darn powerful because we can learn from other people's experiences so i want you to think about then instead where can i find the example in someone else if i can't find the example in me And that's going to help us work through this fear. Now, the next step with this is, like I talked about in overwhelm, do it wrong. So when we're stuck, we're not taking action. To get unstuck, we have to take action. How do we do that? Just do it. Sorry, Nike, I'm not trying to copyright infringe here. But we literally just do it and give yourself permission to just do it wrong because that action gives you a place to work from. You should see my first draft for my first drafts on things. They're garbage. They're really bad. But you know what? It lets me get it done and then I can go back and I can build on it. Think of it this way. A potter can't make a beautiful vase without first throwing a lump of clay on the wheel. You look at that lump of clay, it's not this stunning thing that they've created. No, it's just a lump of stuff that came out of the earth that's wet and gloopy. That's what it is. We start when we are stuck with action. So, you know, once we get past, what are the stories we're telling? 
what is the fear that we have then we just need to actually do something and for me the easiest way that I can get into action is by giving myself permission to just do it wrong now the last three things that I have here for you I have them listed out here I always have notes before I go into this otherwise we'll just be going off on tangents following shiny squirrels as uh, my friend Marisa would say um, because she and I both mix up our idioms all the time um, so the next one is to look at your goals maybe you don't have goals if you don't have goals I'm gonna recommend that you get some goals um, that you make some goals that's going to help a lot uh, we just actually did uh, as I'm recording this we just finished up a whole um, 2024 goal session inside the shoot to sell society which was fantastic um, I really really loved it so um, I personally like the smart framework for goals um, so we have goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, slash believable, but you can't do SMBART um, as a, an acronym, but I like believable as opposed to achievable. Um, relevant and time bound. I like that for making my goals. Um, do all of my goals have every single one of those in them? Eh, not always, but I try and keep it close. Um, when I have a goal, it's much easier to get out of being stuck because I can say, okay, well, I just need to take action to get this thing done. Here's one idea that I have. I'm just going to let myself do it. So remember, we can do it wrong. And then does it take me closer to my goal? Great. I'm much less stuck now. Does it not? Okay, I've learned something not to do. I'm going to try a different thing. And you're going to come on the thing that works. Next is looking at the thing that you're stuck with. And can we break it down? So maybe it's like, ah, Christine, I just can't even take action. I don't even realize what the wrong action is. Like, I just don't have any action to take. Okay, well, hopefully you have a goal. And hopefully, because you have that goal, now you can break it apart. And you can identify the pieces of it and make it more manageable. When we are looking at the big picture, it can be difficult to figure out how to get there. But when we break that down into the more granular pieces, all of a sudden it's like, oh, duh, here's my clarity. I know exactly what I need to do. Now, if we go through all of this and you're still feeling stuck. Okay. Sorry, that's my Siri talking to me. We're still feeling stuck after all of this. This is counterintuitive. Take a step back. Rest. Reconnect to the things that are important to you. So maybe that's family in your life. Maybe, you know, I am crazy busy. I do need to get all this done, but I'm from really stuck on this one thing. Uh, maybe I'm just going to go and take my kids to the park. I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to play. I'm going to see through their eyes. Maybe I'm going to go for a hike in nature with my dog. Maybe I'm just going to sit with a book and read and not like, you know, not the books that I'm reading to learn stuff. No. This is going to be like a book where there's an orc who starts a bookshop. This is an actual book, and I really quite enjoyed it. Um, it's, I like fantasy books, but whatever, whatever kind of escape book. Maybe you don't do books. Maybe it's TV shows. Um, I just binge watched all of the third season of The Mandalorian, and I loved it. All of it. I, I, get, I was really busy when it came out last year um and then i remembered it was out and i was like oh my goodness <clears throat> why do i say that 
because sometimes we just need to step away. We need to stop pushing. If we push too far, if we take that elastic and we push it and we push it and we push it, it's going to snap. Or it's not going to snap, but it's going to lose its elasticity. Elasticity. Ugh. I should not get myself to say those words <laughs> on the microphone. It's going to lose what makes it an elastic. And you might lose what makes you you if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. You might snap like the elastic or you might lose the very fabric of yourself. And so stop pushing the elastic. Let it come back. Let it rest. Let it just be an elastic. You can just be an elastic for a little bit. It's okay. It is okay to rest. In fact, I would say it's important to rest. Um, There are people who say the rest is the work. I don't always think it's the work, but I do think it is sometimes. And if you come through and you do all of this, you have thought about the stories around this thing that you're stuck with. You've thought about, here are my fears. You've taken actions and they still aren't getting you to where you be. You want to be. You've looked at your goals. You've broke it down into its individual tasks and it's just not working. Stop pushing. Step back. Rest. Get your mind somewhere else. That lets you start all over again. And I leave this as the last thing because frankly, it's probably the scariest out of all of them to actually tell ourselves it's okay to rest and to pull back and to do absolutely nothing. That's scary. It can be scary for different reasons too, especially if in your life you've had experiences where you rest too much and you pull back too much and you don't do it. It can feel scary to say, okay, I'm going to let myself do it. When is it productive rest? And is productive rest even a thing? Because I'm not resting to be productive. I'm resting because rest is sometimes what's needed. So let's just go take a nap. Yeah, maybe. That's a good idea, right? Everyone else likes naps as much as I do, right? (laughs) Perhaps that's how we will end on this episode. This is the episode on overwhelm and being stuck. I hope that you have come with some actionable things inside of this episode to help get you to your next step, either to get you out of overwhelm or to get you through the thing that you're stuck on. It's normal. We all have this happen. And depending on where we are in our life right now, this happens to more or less degrees. And it's just part of the human experience. So we can wallow in it or we can go through these steps. Sometimes I like to wallow for a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I give myself a little bit of a wallow time, depending on what's going on in my life. But I don't want to stay there. And I don't think you do either, especially since you've spent this whole episode with me. Like you're not here at the end listening to me ramble um, because you just like the sound of my voice. Um, this is not, I try and use a good microphone, but like that's not it. Um, so this is to help you move through to that next step. And just know that I believe that you can do it. 
I believe that you have everything you need to get there. And I wouldn't be saying that if it weren't true. By dint of the fact that you are here, that you are at the end, that you are taking the action, that you are learning, that you are actively bettering yourself, you've got this 100%. Take care.